Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Executive Director of Massachusetts Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers and Director of LCL's Massachusetts Law Office Management Program. Improving the lives of attorneys by offering free and confidential help for Massachusetts attorneys on issues ranging from depression and addiction to how to improve their business practices. For more information, visit www.lclma.org and www.masslomap.org. And today on Beyond Bill Bauer, we are very pleased to welcome my friends Dennis Kennedy and Allison Shields, who have both been guests here before. Uh, and today we're going to talk about how attorneys are using LinkedIn, one of the several social media tools available to attorneys for marketing their practice. Dennis is an information technology lawyer, author, and speaker on legal technology and internet topics. Allison is the author of Legal Ease Blog and Practice Management and Business Development Coach. They have partnered to write the recently published LinkedIn in one hour for lawyers and will soon follow with Facebook in one hour for lawyers. Today, we'll be discussing with them the what and how of LinkedIn. Thanks for joining us today, both of you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's All great right. to be here. Thanks a lot. So, Allison, let's uh, start with you, uh, just because we have to start someplace. And tell us, tell our listeners what LinkedIn is and why it's popular with attorneys. Well, Rodney, as you mentioned, LinkedIn is a, it's considered part of social media, a social network. Um, but we really consider it, and I think LinkedIn considers itself, more of a professional network than a purely social network. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's really popular with attorneys. I think it's a, the easiest entry point for lawyers in terms of using social media tools uh, because it is professionals. You know, LinkedIn really is business people looking to do business, um, and it's just taking networking that you would do in the real world and, and putting it out there online. And I think attorneys like it because it, it's talking about business, they make business connections, and they don't have to worry about people posting, you know, what they had for breakfast or pictures of their grandchildren. I mean, there are other social networks out there for that. Um, but I think attorneys like it because it's very professional, it's businesslike, and it's a good way to make connections online with strategic alliances or colleagues, other attorneys, things like that. Um, Dennis, what do you think? What would you say about why attorneys really like LinkedIn? Well, I think a couple of things, and I think the you know one of the things you say about how it maps to what attorneys do in the real world is a big key to it. But but I, I think that sort of 
LinkedIn does two things, I think, really well. And one is this sort of online resume or online professional profile. So you can put that information about your work experience, the things you do, um, all of those sorts of things. And it's online. And in some ways, it's it's more easy to find for a lot of lawyers or people looking for lawyers than the traditional website is because because LinkedIn is, is so well known and shows up so high in the, in the search engines. So there's that uh, biography profile resume portion, which is really important in, in the hiring world, plus just getting the word out about you. And the other thing is is the networking thing, so that you can really connect with the people that you might connect to in the, in the real world, but also people that you connect to online, so people you meet at conferences, all those sorts of things. And then it, the professional nature of it, I think, really does ap- appeal to lawyers. It's not so much about uh, you know pictures, uh, the, the personal thing. It, it really relates to professional and professional interactions. Well, that's that's really interesting. I think, and and it seems to me like I mean, you you laid out a lot of reasons why people should use it and do use it. But I still get a lot of feedback from attorneys that they don't want to be on social media. So I mean, and in particular with LinkedIn, if you just wanted to say a few things, Dennis, I, I, if you went into a law firm, why would you tell them that their attorney should be on LinkedIn? Well, I, I noticed some things recently when we were doing some hiring that uh, that I, of course, checked people's LinkedIn profiles of, of people we were interviewing. But it became very clear that everybody that we interviewed checked LinkedIn to learn more ab- about us. And so I, I think that you see a, a sort of change in the way people use uh, a tool like LinkedIn. And, you know, from all the speaking that we've done over the years, and LinkedIn's been around for nine, ten years years or so, that uh, it's it's clearly the, the social networking tool that lawyers use most. And so um, that's one reason. But I, th- I think the biggest reason lawyers should use it is almost all the time I hear somebody who asks the question you have of saying, oh, I'm not sure I want to do this, or I'm on LinkedIn, but I haven't done anything. Part of the story is always somebody saying, I, one of my clients invited me to join LinkedIn. And and so I think that part of the thing is that, that the professional relationships you have and often the impetus comes from uh, clients, your referral sources, uh, you know, outside colleagues, form, people you formerly worked with. So it's just a great professional network. And um, and I, I think that's, for me, the the big appeal of LinkedIn. Allison? Yeah, Dennis, I mean, when we talk in in marketing, we always talk about the idea of getting in front of your target audience. Um, You know, and if if people are using LinkedIn and professionals are on LinkedIn, then attorneys should be there. I mean, there's there's no reason not to be there. And I think it's a little bit, you know, I mentioned before, lawyers like it because it's the professional network. It's a little bit easier um, to understand, I think, than some of the other networks in terms of how it relates to, to business and getting business. But, you know, looking at how many people, it's been around nine or ten years, as Dennis says, We've got over 100 million registered users. Um, that mark was passed in 2011. This year, we're we're up to 150 million plus, I believe. Um, so that just gives you an idea how many people are on there. And if you look at Fortune 500 companies, you look at the legal field. I mean, there are tons of people who are using this as their sort of tool of choice, not just for vetting people. 
um, but for for making connections and making more far-reaching connections than you can physically do uh, in the real world. So in terms of getting in front of your network, I think that's one of the reasons that lawyers should use it. Um, I also think because you have what's called this sort of, or I think Dennis likes to call it a reciprocal relationship where, you know, people are worried about um, some social media because they worry about, well, who are they going to be connected to and who's going to be able to see their stuff? Um, you know, do they want to put themselves out there? They're concerned about clients. They're concerned about ethical rules. But LinkedIn, I think, has a lot of controls in place that make it a little bit more comfortable for lawyers. So you've got the privacy and security controls that are part of LinkedIn, but you've also got this reciprocal relationship. And what I mean by that is that you you can't connect to somebody unilaterally. It has to be an agreement on both sides. Um, so if somebody wants to connect to you and you're not comfortable being connected to them, you don't have to connect to them. Um, so it's only when both sides are in agreement that you're a connection and that other people can see that connection on LinkedIn. So I think that's another reason that lawyers can feel a little bit more comfortable with it as opposed to, I don't know who's following me kind of thing. Right. So, and, and it probably develops a little more strength of the the community that you're you're dealing with. But let me add, and ask you you both this because I know you're coming out with another book on Facebook. But so, if I'm an attorney and I'm looking into this whole social media world, and I've got Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and some others coming out or already out there, how why do I pick LinkedIn over those other options? Well, I mean, I'm not sure. It, that you necessarily have to pick one over the other. I think uh-huh. the, the advantage to to LinkedIn is that when you're looking to use these tools for business development purposes, LinkedIn is going to be people who are there to do business, um, to some extent to promote themselves, to talk about what they do business-wise. They want to make business connections. They're not opposed to you know, receiving invitations from, from people who want to do business with them. You know, that's what the discussion mostly revolves around on LinkedIn, whereas some of the other outlets, like Facebook is a good example, is a much more social. So even in the book that Dennis and I are in the midst of writing right now on Facebook, we talk about using it really as an individual and then extending that out to your business network. But it's more about the social aspects first, I think, Facebook, and and that's what most people are using it for. They're sharing pictures and and those kinds of things. So on Facebook, it's it's kind of a way to get to know people on a more human level. Uh But I think a lot of times on Facebook, you know, people don't want to be promoted to. They don't necessarily want to hear all of the you know, business things or just business, whereas LinkedIn is sort of the opposite. People get annoyed when when they see cross-posting from some of these other more social networks like Facebook and Twitter. If those things are cross-posted on LinkedIn, I think people people get annoyed by that because they're using LinkedIn for business. They're not necessarily interested so much. Uh, not that they're not interested in people on LinkedIn, but it's just a different culture. Right. And I think on LinkedIn, it's it's much more of, okay, we're here for business purposes. Everybody's here to talk about business as opposed to Facebook is kind of we're here to hang out. Um, and so it's a little bit opposite in terms of culture. Uh, yeah. I don't, Dennis, do you have any kind of thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, my sense is that if if everybody tried a lot of different social media, you would find one that you naturally gravitated to, maybe two. Um, but the question usually comes up as you as you say with lawyers is saying, well, what what can I use? What makes sense for me? Uh, where do I get some return on investment? You know that that sort of notion really overlays all of social social media. So when I tell people. You know, Facebook is totally valuable to me because of my high school reunion group. Um, you, you, people just give me a, a blank look on that. Uh, with LinkedIn, <laughs> with LinkedIn, people really get it, and so it says, "Oh, here's professional connections. Um, it shows relationships. I can move through those relationships to communicate and connect with other people. Um, you know, I have my profile out there. I can update with things that are going on. I can show my, you know, point to my PowerPoint slides for a presentation I've done. All those things just make sense. Facebook, I think, is a little hard." And and when you think in a professional context, you really have to work. And the notion of friends versus connection to me is sort of like a a much higher degree of relationship to call somebody a, a friend. So that's one aspect of Facebook that I think that does bother lawyers. Right. Um, and then Twitter, I just think you know you're talking about tweets and 140 characters and you know sending this stuff out to the world and you know who knows what. And for some lawyers, that's a it's an, an amazing thing. I, I'm I I really like Twitter a lot, but I think it's the hardest of all the the social media related uh, things to to get lawyers to understand is Twitter. So so LinkedIn is just sort of conservative, uh, you know, professional. It it you know it sort of fits with the way that, that lawyers uh, feel about themselves. Right, right, and I agree with you. I think Twitter is really hard for. Uh, to uh, describe to attorneys why they should be using it, and sometimes I have a hard, very hard time a- explaining it at all. But let's let, speaking of LinkedIn. Let's say you've you've convinced the, someone to do this. So, what are the most important initial steps to make sure that their LinkedIn uh, account is is successful? What what do they have to do to to make this work for them? Yeah, I would say LinkedIn sort of leads you through through the steps. And I, what I, what we usually find is people say, you know, I got an invitation, I signed up, and they asked me to fill out a profile, and I sort of half-heartedly did that, and I didn't do anything, and I tried to connect to some people, and some responded and some didn't, and I really haven't done anything yet, and I have maybe I've been on for two years, and I have seven connections, <laughs> and then you know, so so that's that's sort of like a typical thing. But what you really want to do is is go in and and LinkedIn walks you through this really easily. So you want to have a complete profile and they they give you this great percentage tool that tells you how, you know, what they, you know, so you can work up to having a hundred percent completion. Um, so you can really put good biographical information up there. And that's always going to be out there working for you on on LinkedIn. So you can you can use that to be sort of a more informal version of your resume in case you're looking for for a job. Um, that's always going to be out there. You can describe the types of works that you do so people can can see that. So that's step one is the profile. Step two is, is you want to get some connections. And uh, LinkedIn is really great about letting you you import your your Outlook contacts, and it will identify the people who are already in LinkedIn, so that it becomes easier to connect to those people. So you can kind of get yourself a good list. I don't know if there's a magic critical mass, but it does help to have more connections 
than than less, you know, at least to get started. So, and then the third component would be, you know, participation to actually um, do some stuff in LinkedIn from from time to time to get an idea of of the potential benefits. And we can go into some of that. But the thing I've been using LinkedIn a lot for lately um, that I find really beneficial is if I want to uh, reach out to somebody in another uh, corporate law department because I have uh, a question of some kind or would need to just talk to a lawyer, I can use LinkedIn to, to find somebody in that corporate law department, see who's the in-between, the common connections we have, and then use LinkedIn as a way to reach out to that person. And that's really uh, been incredibly useful to me in the last, the last couple of years. Yeah, that's, and that's really interesting. And Alice, let me just lead you a little bit here uh, to talk more about the connections in particular, because, uh, and I, Dennis had mentioned, you know, getting Outlook to, to feed into Outlook and stuff. And what, you know, how, how do I go about getting really strong connections and, and why is it important to, to have a, a strong list of connections? Well, I think LinkedIn really is all about it's all about your network and your professional connections. And and I think Dennis just demonstrated how important it is to have those connections because it's like a web. It's just like you're networking in real life. Again, we're taking it, we're taking it online. So how do you go about getting connections or, or networking with people in the real world? So you would do sort of the same things on LinkedIn. And I think for, for lawyers, the easiest way to start is to look at what they do in the real world and move it online, and then it will grow from there. So, for example, Dennis mentioned groups. You know, what groups do you belong to in real life? Chances are there's a LinkedIn group that corresponds. Most bar associations have LinkedIn groups. Your college and your law school alumni more than likely have LinkedIn groups. You know, local, even local groups or chambers of commerce or organizations, charities that you belong to. So you can join those groups and see, once you're involved in a group on LinkedIn, you can see who the other members are of the group. Or you can look at, well, who am I already connected to in the real world? You know, who are my business connections? Start there. Send those people invitations to connect. Um, and I think in terms of getting strong connections, that one of the things you really have to do is to customize what you do on LinkedIn. So instead of sending the, the LinkedIn canned invitation that's already there, you personalize it a little bit. So uh-huh. if you meet somebody in the real world, you tell them in your LinkedIn invitation, hey, I met you at the you know, Mass, Massachusetts Bar marketing event last week. I'd really love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, so at least they, you can give them a point of reference. And I think putting, you know, Dennis mentioned having a strong profile. One of the things I think people don't realize is how important their photo is because a lot of us will remember faces and we won't necessarily remember names. So even if I met you last night, I might not remember your name. And if your profile doesn't have your picture, I may not respond to that invitation if I don't know who you are. So you want to make sure that the other person that you want to connect to has the best way of knowing who you are, so you include a picture and you include some information about how you met them. But to me, the way to get connections is really work off of what's happening in the real world, and then it will expand from there because other people will see you online and they'll send you invitations, or you may encounter somebody in a group that you don't know in the real world, but that you've had conversations with within the group discussions, and then you may want to actually directly connect to them on LinkedIn. But you can see other people's connections and you can see how you're connected, you know, what mutual connections you have with somebody. And that's what makes LinkedIn really a powerhouse. 
as as Dennis, I think, demonstrated with his example. Yeah. Well, and Allison, let me, you, you've mentioned a couple of times groups in LinkedIn. And can you kind of just, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with LinkedIn, tell us, tell us what you mean by the groups and, and how they are part of the LinkedIn connection? Sure. Uh, you know, we talk about that as sort of the third leg. Dennis mentioned uh, the participation part of LinkedIn. So it's not really just p- putting up a resume and connecting with people. It's also getting involved. And just the same way that you do in the real world, there are groups. If you go to the top navigation bar on LinkedIn, you'll see a link there called groups. And you can search in there. Um, you can search by putting a name of a group in. Um, you can search by a keyword. And it, LinkedIn has all kinds of people who are involved in groups, and those groups may be built around, as I said, an alumni group from a particular school. It may be around an interest. It may be around a practice area. There are lots of groups out there on LinkedIn that are specific to lawyers and, and specific practice areas. And then what happens is the people, the members of the group, they post information that might be interesting to people in the group, and they start what they call discussions on LinkedIn, which is kind of a back-and-forth conversation, just like you would have a discussion if you were in, you know, participating in a networking group or some other kind of organization and you were all physically in the same room. It's just translating that to online. And Dennis, with the groups, I mean, do you, it seems like there's a lot of groups to choose from, but I also always, I, I hear attorneys who are saying they want to start their own groups. I mean, is there value to starting your own group or is the, the is the universe of groups already pretty full and you should just jump in and, and, and do, you know, join what's already there? Well, it reminds me in a way of the early days of the web or of blogging when you would say, oh, I want to blog or have a website on a certain topic. And you'd find out that one other person, you know, had the same blog topic and you go like, oh, no, I can't, I can't do one. And, <laughs> you know, and over time you realize there's, there's plenty of room. And, and so I think that, um, you know, sort of starting your own group is, it's not that hard to do, to set the group up, but to kind of get it going um, does take some work and, and does take some involvement. I, I usually suggest to people that you take a look at what's out there. And if there's a group already existing that you fit in, then I wouldn't start my own group. But, but for, say, certain specific topics or, you know, your geographical basis or some of those things, then I think that, that a group could make sense. Um, uh-huh. And and so I would look at it in those terms. So, you know, like I said, go back to the early days of blogging. If there's, if you were going to do an estate planning blog and there's one, you know, estate planning blog uh, out there and you go, oh no, this preempts it, then you go, well, wait, there's, there's certainly room for, you know, the Massachusetts estate planning blog and the, you know, the Missouri one. And, and you can even be more local than that. Or you can say, go to specific topics uh, to discuss. And so, so I think that's really the interesting thing about a group is I would try to to really hone it down to something that was really interesting to you, um, and it was interesting to what what I'll call your audience. So uh-huh. the people you're already connected to, or uh, that you would like to be connected to, and, and use that group as a way to to draw them towards you. And, and do I share? Uh, how do I get people to come to be part of my group? If you're if you're starting your own group, you mean? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. When LinkedIn sort of leads you through, they're very good at when you do anything new on LinkedIn and sort of taking you step by step. And one of the steps when you're creating a group is they'll they'll ask if you want to invite your connections. So you can okay. actually send out an invitation to people you're connected to on LinkedIn to join 
to join your group. Okay. Uh, is, well, it's time for a quick break and a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, joined by Allison Shields and Dennis Kennedy, authors of LinkedIn on One Hour for Lawyers. Uh, so, Allison, you were just talking about how if you just started your own group, um, you would uh, go ahead, develop a basically a, a develop the group by soliciting people to join you and so forth. Uh, and as you go along, and you have a group that's already been established, how do you continue to grow that? I mean, do you uh, select a new uh, email list, or how do you make sure that your your group stays dynamic? I think a lot of that is what the interaction is and and the activity in the group. Uh And the more active, the more chance that other people are going to find it interesting. But one of the things that LinkedIn does if you go to that group's link at the top of the navigation bar is based on your profile and the things that you do in LinkedIn, it will suggest groups to you. So okay. as new people join LinkedIn or they, they decide that they want to join groups, especially if you have an active group around a particular topic or practice area or what have you, LinkedIn may start suggesting your group to people sort of on its own. So if you get to kind of a critical mass and you've got the interaction in the group, um, LinkedIn will start suggesting it to other people. And so it will sort of grow on its own. Uh-huh. Um, but I think sometimes it's it's helpful to go back and, and invite new people because when you did the first round of invitations, you may not have been connected to certain people that now you think might be interesting uh, or interested in the group. Yeah, I was going to say, and also it's a place to think of going outside LinkedIn. So like your website and blogs and stuff, you want to mention it elsewhere. Um, and, you know, like on business card, you know, letterhead, the, the tradition you know, on your website, even, you know, to kind of move people in that direction. What I find in the groups I've been part of is they they do sort of grow organically. So like the social networking for lawyers group we started up in connection with this book, we really haven't done a lot to promote it. But it seems every, like every few days we're getting a, a, a new member or two to it. And and so we go in and, and we have a group where you have to approve the member. So we go in and, and we sort of see as people join. Yeah. So you're very cognizant of what's going on. Uh, one of the things that seems to come up with to me a lot, and, and I think that this is uh, impacted a lot by state's ethics rules, but the whole issue of attorneys uh, worried about the issue of recommendations. And do you guys see that as an issue? The, if people ask to make a re- recommendation, is that all right? Should I solicit recommendations? How should I deal with that as an attorney? Uh, well, you know, you're right, Rodney. Everybody's rules are different, so lawyers should make sure that they're reading the part of the ethics rules in their jurisdiction that relates to this. But you know, one of the things that's nice about recommendations on LinkedIn is that as, as the owner of the profile, 
I have the ultimate approval over a recommendation that somebody else writes. So one of the concerns with recommendations is, you know, lawyers are not allowed to put anything that could be considered to be misleading or might misrepresent. Um, and the same applies to things that are written by other people. So even, Rodney, if you wrote a recommendation for me and you used wording that I would not be permitted under my rules to use, um, I can make the choice not to post that recommendation or to send it back to you and ask you to edit it to either include disclaimer language if my jurisdiction requires that or to take out the particular words that that are not appropriate, or if my jurisdiction completely forbids testimonials and recommendations, I can write back to you and say, you know, thank you so much for doing that. For doing that, I'm not permitted to post it on my LinkedIn profile, but, you know, whatever else I might want to say. So you do have control over it. It's not as if somebody can just write something and it will go up on your profile um, and you need to be concerned about it. I, I think recommendations are certainly helpful. I think they can say a lot of things about your practice um, that you might not even think about saying. So I don't think it's a bad thing if your jurisdiction allows it um, to request that somebody make a recommendation. And I usually tell lawyers that the time to do that is when somebody on their own compliments them, whether maybe they send them an email or they're somewhere in person and, and this you know client or whoever it is says nice things about them to say, hey, would you mind posting that as a recommendation on, on LinkedIn? Um, you know, but I think, yes, you have to be concerned about it, but within the ethical rules, there are usually ways that you can still use them and use them effectively. So don't over overreact to it. If uh, Make sure you do your, your homework before you start just uh, not allowing any, any to put be put on. Right. Uh, Dennis, what, what's, what are your thoughts about the issue of recommendations? Well, I, I I think it's to me that's sort of an area of ethics that's uh, probably should be in flux a little bit because it, you do think that you have a client who's ready to say most awesome lawyer in the world and happy <laughs> to shout that from the rooftops and write it somewhere and you need to go back to them and have them rewrite it as seem to do a professional job and I was reasonably satisfied with, <laughs> with the representation you know and yeah. so so it's sort of you know. It, that's a kind of an interesting part of it, but but I think that what Allison alluded to is that if you if you don't know LinkedIn well, then I think this recommendation issue can be a, sort of a scary one. And but I think once you say, oh wait, there's all these settings and controls in LinkedIn, and if there's a problem in the recommendation, I can go back to the person and have them revise it, or I don't have to, you know, I don't have to post this, or you know, I I think that's 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 really a useful thing for for listeners to know because you would say, uh oh, if somebody wrote this thing, can I even do anything about it, and will that get me in trouble? So I, I think it's an imp- it's an important area. There's a couple a couple of things on LinkedIn have, have drawn the attention of the bar regulators. There's a sort of this default setting on uh, LinkedIn that that talks about specialties, which is unnerving to a, a lot of lawyers because that's the term that gets used there. And so, um, but you know, LinkedIn gives you space to put disclaimers and, and things like that. So it, it's it's developed over the years. With uh, I think LinkedIn has been really sensitive to the needs of lawyers. And there's actually, if you go to the Help Center, there's actually a special guide for lawyers using LinkedIn. So they see lawyers as a significant part of their audience. So there are some there's some tools in there and, and, and definitely some extra space in some places where you can put you know, a disclaimer and the other things that you would need. 
Right. And and I assume that you guys in the in the book you cover all of this in in some detail to walk people through how to handle the settings and deal with some of these issues as they come up as those issues come up. Yeah, we cover both the settings and then we have a little special bonus section that, that talks about the the ethical issues themselves. Uh-huh. Excellent. Well, listen, I, it would probably be the last question, but let me, I guess, throw this back uh, to Allison. Is to start with, how do I use LinkedIn without spending all day, you know, chasing this this social media monster that can just seem to suck up time? Well, I mean, I think on LinkedIn, that's even sort of easier to to do in terms of controlling um, the time that you spend than it might be on some of these other more social networks as opposed to the professional network. But, you know, I mean, I think you could spend probably 15 to 30 minutes a week and still be fairly active on, on LinkedIn and, and get a lot out of it. So, I mean, I would start with making sure that your profile is, is as complete as it possibly can be. And Dennis mentioned LinkedIn will tell you the percentage uh, of that it considers your profile complete. And it will walk you through, every time you log into LinkedIn, it will walk you through some steps that you can do to improve your profile. Um, so I would say, you know, spend some time doing that for, you know, even if it's just a couple of minutes a week and then start inviting contacts. And again, it doesn't have to be a huge investment of time. Even if you decide you don't want to upload your, your contacts initially, when you meet somebody in real life, you go on LinkedIn and send them an invitation, you customize that invitation. It, it can take just a couple of minutes. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, maybe take a look at what groups are out there and what the discussions are uh, and spend some time doing that. And then you want to spend some time um, monitoring your network. Um, and I'll let Dennis talk a little bit about how to do that. Yeah, Rodney, to me, there's there are a couple things that, that are really useful in giving you a lot of information in a short period of, of time. Uh-huh. So the LinkedIn homepage kind of gives you a, a good overview of what's going on in your network, who's new in it, what's going on with the people, you know, what's been posted, the updates, those sorts of things that will suggest new friends. We didn't get the chance to talk about that, but the LinkedIn algorithms on suggesting who your friends should be and the people you should connect to at times are really amazing. And you can start to add, uh, you know, quality connections that way. The other thing is the the smartphone app, and I use the iPhone app, uh, which is really my way to keep up with, with LinkedIn. So it, so that's great. Again, I see what's going on. I handle invitation requests. I get all through that the the iPhone app. And, and so that's another way of doing it. And as Allison said, this sort of monitoring your network is, is a real key thing that I think people leave out of their thinking about social media. So I always find the people who are the best networkers um, and the people who were bringing clients and all that sort of thing, they knew what was going on in the network. They knew who was changing jobs. They, they knew all this stuff before anybody else did. And I, and I think you can use LinkedIn in the, in the the same sort of way because you're going to the homepage, you're seeing what's happening, you see job changes, you see all these things, and then you can take it to the real world. So if you see somebody's getting a new job, um, you could respond to them on LinkedIn, you could call them for lunch, you could uh, you know, ask them to find out about, about their new job. You can do all sorts of things, but I think that's sort of why I think lawyers will really appreciate LinkedIn if they use it well is the way it allows you to take what you're doing in on the internet and move it into the real world and get some benefit from that. 
Well, that's great. Great advice. I, I really appreciate it. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Uh, special thanks to both of you. This has been really informative. Uh, Dennis, starting with you, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and, and uh, link to your blogs and so forth? Well, it's obviously I'm on LinkedIn and, uh, uh, you know, so you can find me that way. Uh, yeah, my, my blog is, uh, DennisKennedy.blog has been around for, uh, over nine years now. And, and, uh, it's at DennisKennedy.com slash blog. That's probably the best way to find me, but you can also find me on, uh, Twitter. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, and probably LinkedIn is, is the place, uh, that's best for people to connect with me. And I also suggest this social networking for lawyers group that, that uh, Allison and I have set up as, as maybe a way that um, you, people can find out what's going on, especially as it relates to LinkedIn. Great. How about you, Allison? Well, as, as Dennis mentioned, we have the, the group on LinkedIn and I have my LinkedIn profile. If people want to connect with me there. But I also have my blog, which is at LegalEase, which is L-E-G-A-L-E-A-S-E, Consulting. Dot com, And I have a website that talks about uh, the things that I do with my clients who are all lawyers, and that is LawyerMeltdown.com. Great. And remember, listeners, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. Please feel free to continue this discussion on Twitter where you can find me at Rodney Dow. I hope you'll join us again on the next on Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, a law practice advisory podcast with attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.